Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Arsecast, the only weekly Arsenal podcast here on OleOle.com. It's also the only weekly Arsenal podcast hosted by a guy in Dublin with a bottle of beer in front of him. It's also the only Arsenal podcast that's called the Arsecast. It is unique in so many, many ways. Glad to have you along. Hope we find you well. And why wouldn't you be, given the way we've started the season? Coming up on this show, Amy Lawrence from The Observer will be along to talk about Arsenal's start to the season about the Champions League, the state of the squad, team spirit, and all kinds of stuff. Uh, she's along in a few minutes' time. As well as that, we'll be checking in with Kev from the Lord of the Wing to find out what he thought about what happened this week in the Champions League at Celtic Park and what might happen next week when the return leg takes place at the Grove. As well as that, Sylvester is along. The penis of William Gallus is along. We've got Den Nielsen on the show. Believe it or not, we've got Den Nielsen on the show. Uh, that's coming up in a little while as well. And uh, yeah, well, that's about it, really, to be honest. Hmm. It's true. Uh, so, uh, the start to the season. Arsenal 6, Everton 1. Arsenal 6 Everton. I, I wasn't quite expecting that. We went down to the pub to watch it on uh, Saturday evening and there was an Everton fan sitting behind us uh, and we were kind of blocking his way a bit. I was a little worried about that because I'm a conscientious kind of a guy, but we were chatting away and he was going, oh, Everton are great. Look at my shirt. It's an Everton shirt. and It was an Everton shirt. It was blue with a Chang beer or whatever the hell it is on it. And he was a big Everton fan. 1-1, one, one, he said. 1-1. One, one. That's what I fancy today. And I said, no, nah, I don't think so. I think Arsenal are going to win this. Ah, uh, no, 1-1, he said. I said, no, I reckon Arsenal are going to win it. I did not think we would win it. 6-1, though. That was slightly beyond my expectations, I have to say. Uh, but, I mean, what a great start. We saw the new formation really properly work. Uh, Alex Song in the holding role, the two midfielders, and then the three forwards. We had new boy Thomas Vermalen at the back, who was very impressive. What a debut he had. What a debut. I was just commenting to a couple of the lads. I was going, he really likes a header, doesn't he? Because he went up in the air a couple of times and he might have got the ball or, or might not have got the ball. My memory of that is wiped out by the memory of him kind of doing somersaults and landing on his back and just getting up and running back and then trying it all over again. He's kind of got a neck like a, a giraffe almost. He's sticking his head out. But anyway, uh, after Denilson opened the scoring with a truly fantastic goal, up popped Vermalen. At the back post, the boy likes a header. Yes, indeed, he likes a header. William Gallas made it 3-0 before half-time. And that was game, set, and match. Everton were done and dusted there. Uh, Lescott, I, I know everyone will blame Lescott and all that, but he shouldn't have been playing, really. I don't think he really cared that much, or his, his head wasn't in the right state of mind. I don't understand that, though. I know he wants to go to Man City, but when you're out on the football pitch, you're not thinking about going to Man City or, I don't know, weirdos, footballers. 
Uh, three more goals in the uh, in the second half as well. Two from Captain Cesc Fabregas. The first was a really, really nice goal. I love the way we moved it from the back. It was uh, a quick counter-attack, quick passing, and three nutmegs. Did you notice that? A nutmeg from Arshavin to Danielson out of defence. Danielson played it down the wing to Van Persie. Van Persie nutmegged, I think it was Lescott, to cross it for Fabregas. And Fabregas nutmegged the keeper to make it 4-0 to Arsenal after a few minutes of the second half. And that was it well and truly over and done with. And you saw that Everton had given up when uh, Cesc ran, I don't know, most of the length of the pitch and then went, well, you know, I've come this far, I might as well bury it. And he did. Eduardo popped up with a goal, a nice little poachy goal to get his uh, first Premier League goal since um, God knows when, but that was his first Premier League appearance since breaking his leg. Sorry, no, not breaking his leg, since having his leg broken, I think is the right turn of phrase, uh, since having his leg broken against Birmingham. Uh, so what a return to Premiership action from him. Shame we couldn't keep the clean sheet, but really, it doesn't fucking matter. When you score six, it does not matter that you let him one. I'll happily let him win every single game if we get six at the other end. So uh, a flying start to the season. Of course, all the um, all the talk was about how poor Everton were. Can you imagine if United or Liverpool or Chelsea had thrashed Everton? Now, not Stoke or Burnley or somebody like that, but Everton. They finished fifth last season. If any one of those teams had thrashed Everton 6-1 on the opening day of the season, we would not have heard the end of it. Not a bit. We'd be talking, oh, well, title's a foregone conclusion. Look at that. Instead, all the talk was about how bad Everton were. Which, while it's frustrating and annoying, and you kind of look at the TV and you go, fuck you, Hanson, and fuck you, Lineker, and fuck you, Alan Shearer, on match of the day. Stick it up your cunts. It's a good thing, in a way, because they're, they're still not talking about us. Writing us off. And as Robin Van Persie said, they don't like it. And it's proving to be a bit of a, a motivational thing for them. So the longer they continue to write us off, the happier I'll be, to be honest. Provided they're not actually writing us off for, for good reasons. You know, the, the, that we've lost 12 games in a row or something. But that's still to come. Uh, Celtic on Tuesday night. No English team had won there since 1983. And again, you get some people saying, well, it was only Celtic. Well, yeah, hang on. United have gone there. I don't know how many times, at least twice in the last few years, and they haven't won. And when it's not especially a great Celtic team, you know, it's always a difficult game up there, and they gave it all they had for, for 90 minutes. It was a little bit niggly, a little bit narky at times. Some of the tackling in midfield was a little <clears throat> uh, suspect, shall we say. And we deserved the luck we got, I think. And we take a 2-0 lead into the, uh, into the home leg, and uh, it sets us up nicely for qualification for the Champions League. So all in all... You couldn't really ask for a better start to the season. Could you? No. It would be it'd be a bit greedy if you did, I think. You could go back in time and ask for it being a little bit better. That would be greedy. You get it back at some stage later in the season. Haha, that's what you get for asking for too much at the start of the season. So I'm quite content indeed. Zen like almost. That's how content I am. Uh, as I said, we'll be chatting away to uh, Kev from Lord of the Wing uh, to preview and uh, review the Celtic games. Uh, right now, though, joining me on the Arscast for the first time this season from the Observer is our old friend Amy Lawrence. Hi, Amy. Happy new season. And to you, and to you. It's been a very encouraging start to the season for Arsenal. Um, I suppose there was some trepidation after uh, what had happened last season, but uh, the Everton game, I think, uh, really made people sit up and take notice. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it, it was really... Uh, pleasing to see Fabregas's reaction afterwards because while it was clearly a, a massive shot into our, in the arm to everyone concerned, 
um, you know, you, you can't suddenly shoot in one ma- one match to um, all your problems are solved. Obviously, a lot of um, the perceived problems appear to have been overplayed in pre-season in the media. Um, we, I think we were probably right to have a few doubts, not so much about the sales of Adebayor and Torre, which has been the case in, in some of the papers, but more about the, the you know, the lack of, of incoming players. Because I still think that if you're going to look at the, at the bigger picture for the season, there is a question mark about strength and depth. You've got to pray that everybody stays fit, that Arsenal doesn't have the usual thing where, you know, a number of players are either... Um, persistent signals like a Diaby or a bigger long-term problem like uh, Rizitsky or Eduardo. But obviously, if everybody stays fit and if, if everybody plays to their potential, like in you know the way that Vermaelen and, and Song, for example, and Fabregas have started the season on fire, um, if, you know, then really you, look, you, you, you sort of can't help but get excited. But there is that other side of the going where you think a few key injuries and suspensions and maybe in, for the wrong kind of fixtures that the team might be, be tested. Do you think that's something that um, Arsene is still looking at? Because you talk about the strength and depth and I think um, Alex Song has surprised a lot of people and played very, very well uh, in the first two games of the season and, and, and has maybe shown that he's growing into that defensive midfielder role. But if he gets an injury, for example, or if injuries at the back force him to move to centre half, we don't really have a an obvious candidate to replace him. As there's well a, as that, there's absolutely no one else that can yeah. play that in that position at the moment at the club. Mm. Which is, I think, for me with the new formation, um, that Alex Song position is so key. So yeah. therefore, I mean, given that he's going to disappear for two months of the season anyway in January to go to the African Cup of Nations then factor in any potential little niggly injuries or, or, or suspensions. We're not talking about a major problem. He's probably going to miss about three months of the season. Well, that's a third of the season without a, a, a key, key player. And fair play to him a hundred billion times for becoming that key player that nobody thought he was going to be. I think mm-hmm. he deserves an enormous pat on the back. Um, but I just think that Arsene surely has to see that there's got to be some cover. Because if you just think, oh, well, we'll put there or we'll put Danielson there or we'll put you know we'll get a you might do for a game or two but for three months I think you know in such a key position it it just might be costly Mm -hmm. so I think if there was one signing to be made for me uh, between now and the end of the transfer window it would be um, anybody and I mean anybody I don't care if they're (laughs) old young it doesn't matter where if they were experienced or inexperienced somebody who can just come in and do that job, even if it's not necessarily quite to the calibre of, of song or just a no-nonsense, decent um, uh, defensive shield midfield player who can break up play, who can cover you for if, if song isn't available. I think that would that would really provide the kind of backup that would would allow people to be genuinely encouraged and optimistic about what can be achieved this season because. Certainly, defensively, it seems to be a, a revelation. I mean, it's not just that Vermaelen is a you know looking like a bloody good player, but it, he seems to have had a, a rub-on effect on everybody else, and I think that that helps too. Um, and you've got to uh, imagine that there's probably a bit more to come from Arshavin, Bentner, Van Persie, Vela, Walcott, etc., etc., because really the, the opening two games have gone ever so well, but you. you 
probably wouldn't say that any of the front players have been at their best. Mm. What do you make of the new formation? Because it does seem to suit the players that we have. Um, and like you say, the forwards haven't clicked. It hasn't made any difference at, at this stage. But maybe for them, um, it's going to take a little bit more time because mm. we've provided this defensive stability now. The, 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 the defensive midfield role is done. I think the, the two midfielders, Fabregas and Danielson, which I think will be Fabregas and Nasri when he's mm. fit again. I think, you know, that that's a nice little base. But um, do you think it's going to take a little while for those forwards to uh, to get used to that role? Maybe Bentner as well, who might be more suited to a more central role, um, is out on the right-hand side. Um, it'll take a bit of getting used to, I think. Maybe, yeah. And not just this bit that Bentner's more suited to the middle, but I'd almost argue if you've watched Van Persie play for Holland that he might be more suited even to the right, mm. despite being so left-footed. Um, but I think uh, one of the things that was... Um, quite glaring in the Celtic game, although one really hesitates to be critical about anything after this start, is that Van Persie does struggle a bit in terms of leading the line. Um, the ball doesn't seem to stick to him uh, in the way that it does a more mm. orthodox target man. So I think maybe there's a bit of tinkering to be done there to, to settle everybody into into a place where they feel they can get the best of their abilities and really express themselves well. But we all know what those players can do. So, um, you know, and then and then you throw in the, all the sort of reserves in Walcott, um, Bella, and obviously Jack Wilshire as well. And, you know, it's quite tantalising, really, what what is possible. But, you, you know, football fans are like, everybody's the same. You, you know, you, you have a dreamland scenario where everyone plays on top of their game all the time. And <laughs> obviously that's not re- realistic, which is why it's so phenomenal to have got after such a perfect start when the game... Uh, you know, the, the game plan and the team is not yet in perfect shape. So you think, well, th- there's so much potential. Hmm. What did you make of the uh, the performance against Celtic? Because uh, while we didn't necessarily create a great deal, I think it showed uh, a level of maturity that wasn't necessarily there last season, that we got kicked about a bit, but we mm-hmm. kept going. And um, I think we deserved a little bit of luck that we got in terms of the goals. I agree. Well, I think this may be quite an interesting comparison to be made with the Roma game last season, where there was a lot made before the game about how it was going to be hostile and difficult and intense. Um, and actually, even though the, the result turned out well in Rome with the penalties, um, I did uh, I did think if you watched the game properly, that Arsenal were awful that night, mm. actually, in terms of the, the 90 minutes. And what a different team against Celtic. A similar-ish kind of task if you like and you know a straight knockout in Europe um, in an intimidating atmosphere and I think the way Arsenal controlled it and were able to still play their passing football which they didn't quite manage in Rome um, was exactly why they got their breaks that they never got maybe in Rome mm. uh, so yeah I think that was that was real progress as well um, but I do think it's funny when you look at some of the media reactions and so on I mean you know, I, I don't know what everybody's getting so excited about because basically Arsenal's result against Everton doesn't count because they had their own problems. So, you know, therefore, <laughs> Arsenal weren't playing against a proper team. And really against Celtic, they just got so lucky. So really, I think Arsenal fans need to take a massive reality check and not get excited, OK? <laughs> it kind of suits us, though, in a way, you know, that they, they, they so. keep writing us off um, despite yeah, the, the evidence I, in front of their eyes a little bit. Agreed. And I think, I think you know, uh, famously, in terms of the club's character, if you go back before Arsenal, being backed against the wall was part of what Arsenal was all about. And, mm-hmm. you know, there were so many examples of situations where everything was against 
seemingly against Arsenal and almost the worse the situation was, the, the more likely they were to turn it around. And I think an element of that characteristic sort of got diluted um, in the last few years. And so I think it's quite positive to see that that part of Arsenal seems to be kind of coming to the fore again. Mm. What, what? You, can, you can sense in the players that they feel a little bit of that. You know, quite right if they're cheesed off by being written off year after year yeah. after year, and by people probably underappreciating what they, you know, what they can do and what they do in difficult circumstances. What do you make of uh, comments um, from Manuel Almuni? And I think it's been touched on by other players as well that they've referenced the spirit within the squad uh, at the start of this season and how the dressing room is a better place to be around. And and obviously you have to think about the players that have left. Um, it, it does make a difference, though, doesn't it, when everybody is kind of um, going in the same direction from from the dressing room to the pitch? Yeah, I think we can all see that. I think there were people I certainly used to sometimes sort of roll my eyes to the scene in a press conference when Arsene Wenger used to talk about the great spirit of last season because I couldn't <laughs> see it, you know, and I thought, well, I thought I, I, you know, I can hear the words but I'm not seeing the actions to back it up and I think um, now we can all see that last season certainly wasn't as rosy as Arsene was making out in terms of the spirit um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that he sold the players he sold. I mean, I think he, you know, Lots of people say Arsenal are a selling club, and if that's the, the case, I think that we could almost sell who we want, if you like, because probably most of Arsenal's players would be wanted elsewhere mm. um, if the price is right and the contract is right. I don't think it would be difficult to offload you know, the vast majority of the current squad. Um, so you've got to assume that Arsenal has an element of control over who he chooses to accept the bids for or, or welcome bids for. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Courage bids for... And I just don't think it's a coincidence that um, the players that have left the club have left the club. And although nobody wants to ever say anything bad about Colo Torre for all sorts of obvious reasons, um, I do think that once his head had been turned by Man City last January and he first put in his transfer request, that he was not a happy man around the place. Mm. Um, and whatever a, a good egg he, he is... He wasn't himself. He wasn't spreading a little happiness. Um, and and I don't think anybody, it's any secret that Adebayor was not the easiest man in the world to get along with. Um, and maybe just thought he was ever so slightly more important than the rest of the squad. So, you know, these to, to, to eliminate um, unhappy players or difficult players obviously is going to have a, a, a knock-on effect. Mm. 
Portsmouth tomorrow. Um, these are the kind of games last season. I mean, there, there really wasn't any uh, issue with the, the team last season getting up for big games for the most part. Obviously, there were a couple towards the end of the season that I've uh, forgotten about. But um, it was games against the likes of Portsmouth. I think uh, last season it was a very, very late William Gallas goal uh, that won the game at home. Um, any worries about uh, the way the team might perform, given the fact that the first two games of the season have been so important, they've been built up, and now it's sort of into the nuts and bolts of the league? Uh, not really. I, I, I think you're right to point out that, that these were the pitfalls last season. But I think, first of all, Portsmouth have regressed and um, are possibly not able to put up that kind of fight uh, uh, this season as they have in previous seasons. Um, and I think Arsenal are better, so when you factor those two things, and more motivated, and I can't really see a problem, which is probably um, an enormous banana skin <laughs> just by saying it, but I'd be massively surprised. And I think the same goes for the, the, the home leg against Celtic. So I think, given the start of the season, these next two games are very interesting because what it's going to hopefully allow is for some real momentum to build up. Because if you can produce another two wins and perhaps another couple of clean sheets or even one clean sheet, you're looking at being on a, on a, a run of games with goals, with looking tidy at the back, with good confidence, with playing nicely and with results. Now, I think when everyone looked at the fixture list before the start of the season and you could see Man United, obviously Everton was a difficult one to start with and Celtic, but people looked at Man United and Man City coming mm. up away from home with quite a lot of trepidation and to be able to go into those matches with on on the back of a good run with good momentum would be you know uh, there's no real reason why Arsenal can't go looking for wins from both of them so um let's not get ahead of ourselves but I think this is a very nice time to be having two what should be fairly routine home matches all right, Amy, thanks very much. You better leave it there and uh, fingers crossed. I will talk to you soon. All, all the best. Thank you very much to Amy Lawrence. Uh, she'll be back as the season progresses, I'm sure. Uh, still to come, don't forget amazing, exclusive content from Den Nielsen. It's true. Uh, as well as that, we'll be chatting to Kev from the Lord of the Wing. Right now, though, Sylvester. Hello, everyone. It's me again, Sylvester. What a start to the season we have made at Arsenal. Six goals against Everton and then a 2-0 win against those savages from Caledonia or whatever it is you call that part of the world. Unfortunately, I have not been playing. This is because of the new signing, Thomas Vermalen. He is a tall, strong, fast defender from Belgium where they make delicious chocolate. Oh, I'm so flustered. You know me, I always like a bit of chocolate. Oh, baby! Welcome back to Sylvester, and he'll be with us throughout the season, hopefully more on the Arscast than on the pitch. And that's about as much as I've got to say about that. Uh, on Tuesday night, Arsenal went to Glasgow, to Celtic Park, and uh, did what no English team has done since Nottingham Forest in 1983, and that's to win a game there. Didn't stop some people complaining about how Bender didn't have very many shots, or how Arshavin didn't have very many shots, or how Van Persie didn't have very many shots. But really, it doesn't matter, because Arsenal won. That is the main thing. And if you don't like Arsenal, why bother writing about them? See? Anyway, uh, there's another game coming up 
uh, on Wednesday. Uh, we have one foot in the uh, in the Champions League, if you listen to everybody, but, you know, nothing is a foregone conclusion. And with me now to talk about uh, the game that was on Tuesday and the game that will be on Wednesday is indeed the best Celtic blogger in the entire world. It is Kev from the Lord of the Wing. Well, thanks very much for that. If only your um, accomplishments as a blogger were matched by those uh, of your team on the, on the football pitch, what did you make of the game on Tuesday? Have you any real complaints about the result? No real complaints about the result. I've got yeah, a lot of complaints about the way that we played. I'm very disappointed in the way that we played. When you're playing a team of Arsenal's quality, you do need 11 players to play out their skins, get a bit of luck, and they never got any of that, eh? Mm. And the truth of the matter is, we'll have that. I think we, we've had about five or six players who had absolute shockers. And... Really, we never done ourselves justice. We never made Arsenal work for the result. So it's a bit like you fancy the girl next door and you go to a disco and you want to impress her and the hustle comes on you go up there and rip your pants and then it ain't on. That's what, that's what it feels like. Is I mean, uh, it's the performance more than the result that's disappointing for you, yeah? Yes, yes. The result was probably expected. Uh, well, maybe not, maybe not at home, it maybe wasn't expected, eh? But we have teams, uh, teams have come to Celtic Park of similar quality to Arsenal, and we have given them a right good go. And having two shots the whole game is just not good enough, eh? It's just, I just feel it's an opportunity missed, because I don't think uh, Arsenal hit the heights that they had hit at the weekend against Everton. Mm. Well, what way do you think he's going to approach the second leg now? Because uh, Arsenal have a two-goal lead and two away goals. I mean, he might as well just give it a go, no? I mean, he, there's no other real option, is there, other than to to just, you know, try and get an early goal and, and see what happens? Well, I, I, we need to give it a go. I think uh, nobody's tactics all night were, was to keep it tight to half-time and about 15 minutes in at the second half then bring on uh, McDonald and Fortuny like what he'd done except that the goal just before half-time uh, killed us, eh? So it would maybe look to do the same again, eh? Uh, keep it tight to half-time, and then after half-time, have a go, eh? We went, to, we went to Man City recently, and I know it was only a friendly, eh? But we played a lot better away from home than what we did. We seem to be playing better away from home than what we're doing at home. Mm. Uh, Mowbray hasn't won a game at Celtic Park yet. Level of uh, expectation, maybe, at home, then, is a bit of pressure for the players? Well, the games that we've lost, we lost against uh, Dynamo Moscow and that game just came too early for us. We were playing a team that was 13 games into their season and they just they played us off the park in the first 25 minutes. And then they played Sunderland in a friendly and he, put, and he put a reserve team and it's not really any disgrace getting beat off Arsenal. Eh? So maybe the games that he's had... Maybe the games that he's had haven't been good judges, eh? And he's got a game against St. Johnson at home on Saturday. So hopefully that should be a turkey shoot. Yeah, yeah. get your shooting boots on. Is he going to play with uh, Fortune and, and McDonald from the start or, or do it the same way, do you think? I would hope he would play with Fortune eh, and McDonald from the start. Um, when the, the other thing that I noticed about the other night, when the Champions League... Uh, song was getting played. It went down the two team lineups, and the size of the Arsenal team compared to the size of the Celtic team really struck me. Mm. And and it's quite noticeable that Fortuny and Gremo 
and Danny Fox, three of the players that nobody have signed, they're the only players that look up physically the same size as Arsenal players. And we're not even so, that big a team, you know? Well, uh, well you, I think you are. Compared to us, you, you were big, you're big, big strong, uh, athletic. Mm. Uh, and the team that Mowbray's got there, that's the team that Str- Gordon Stratton built, basically. Eh? And I think it's quite an encouraging sign for me that the players that he signed can play football and are athletic. That's the way that we need to go. Mm. And hopefully he can find a, uh, find a bit more. But in the setting line, we've got to have a go. I mean, we've already won this year in Monday, so there's no way, nothing to say that we can't do it again. This is true. I hope it doesn't happen, of course, but uh, who knows? It's a, it's a fun game, football. Kev from the Lord of the Wing. We better leave it there. Thanks very much. No problem. Thanks. Arsenal versus Celtic next Wednesday in the Champions League. Uh, to see who goes through to the group stages. Uh, thanks again to Kevin from the Lord of the Wing. If you want to check out his blog, please do so. Uh, it's good fun. Uh, it is oleolay.com forward slash blogs forward slash the Lord of the Wing. Of course, our first home game of the season takes place tomorrow against Portsmouth. We've got some team news about that. But now, as I promised you uh, from the start of the show, exclusive to the Arscast, it's Den Nielsen. Oh, hello everybody, it's me, and Den, Den Nielsen, the Arsenal midfielder. What a start we made to the season, eh? You won't have failed to notice who opened the scoring against Everton. That's right, it was me. Now, I don't get too many goals, not these days anyway, and the boys were giving me a bit of stick in the dressing room after the game. Fabregas goes... Oh, Dan, that was a killer goal you scored. Oh, very good, says Guy said. You sexy little bastard. Well, I didn't say that bit. I just have to think that because you can't say things like that out loud in the dressing room. It's just not the done thing, is it? Then another voice pops up from the other side of the dressing room. Oh, nice goal, Dan. You really murdered that one into the top corner. Oh, Rosicki, get back in your hyperbaric chamber and get yourself fit and out on the pitch, you sexy little cunt. Again, that is just something I thought in my head rather than said out loud. (laughs) Come Monday morning, they were still at it. Oh, did you do anything special at the weekend? Did you? Did you get an extra bottle of wine? Did you get an extra portion of chicken bowls of your Chinese the other night? Oh, no, I said I took it very easy. Nothing out of the ordinary. I just found a young man on the street, took him back to my house, plied him with heroin and alcohol, chopped his head off, fucked his corpse, and then hid the body in my wardrobe. You know, usual... So there you have it. That's uh, Den Nielsen, exclusively on the Arscast. Yeah. We've got our first home league game of the season tomorrow against Portsmouth, who are not in good shape. Uh, financially, they're all over the place. They've lost some players, and uh, they've lost their first two league games of the season. So they'll be looking to put that right against Arsenal. Nevertheless, we go into the game in good shape, nicely confident after the two results that we've had. Uh, and we'll be looking for the crowd to get right behind the team. I'm sure they will. Uh, the team news, injury news, is that Eduardo was back in contention after pulling out at the last minute uh, during the warm-up, actually, in Celtic Park. He had a little groin injury and it actually left us with no striker on the bench. So when you're uh, playing the system with three strikers, maybe, maybe, 
He might need to have another one because Theo Walcott is still out. Uh, Arsene Wenger says his back injury could be a matter of days. But then, as he said himself, I expected him to be fit for Everton. I expected him to be fit for Celtic. So he can't say whether he's going to be fit for Man United next weekend or indeed Celtic in midweek. Carlos Vela, he's disappeared. I don't know where he's gone. He's injured, apparently. He's got an ankle injury or something, but we haven't even heard about him. He's not even mentioned on the uh, on the official website in the list of players that's injured. I'm just having another quick look at it here, and uh, no. The injured quartet or injured quintet. And there's not a mention. So I don't know. Anyway, uh, hopefully Eduardo will be back, and uh, and we'll be in good shape for that particular game. And three points would be nice going into the Celtic game, and then we get the ball well and truly rolling. So that's really about it. There isn't much else uh, to talk about. Nicholas Bentner hasn't signed a new deal yet, apparently, but he's going to. See, I told you there wasn't really much else to talk about, so we might as well leave it there for this particular Arscast. Uh, until next week's, um, we've got a, a, an important couple of games coming up, so fingers crossed for those. Have a great weekend. Talk to you on the blog in the meantime. Uh, so until next week's show, take it easy. Bye-bye. of William Gallas and no matter what you hear from anybody else you must always remember that I am the greatest goal scoring body part of William Gallas of all time nobody can compare to me nobody <coughs> aren't you forgetting somebody penis of William Gallas oh no not you Yes, it is me, the arse of William Gallas. <laughs> oh, l'amour, this is terrible. Normally I only see you when William he put me between his legs to do the thing from Silence of the Lambs, you know. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets a hose again. Now you are in my podcast. Stepping on my toes. I don't like this. Well, you are going to have to get used to it because I, the arse of William Gallas, am taking over. I score a magnificent goal against Celtic and now nobody is talking about the penis of William Gallas. At last, my time has come. Oh, well, we will have to see about that. You, me, outside now. Bring it on, bitch. Yeah, you think you are hard enough? Come on, I will fight you. Let's go then. Hello. Who is this? It is I, the left nipple of William Gallas. 
Derrière tout tell you that this weekend I shall begin my reign as the greatest goal-scoring body part of William Gallas with a hat-trick against Portsmouth. Left nipple, left nipple, left nipple. The perfect left nipple hat-trick. <laughs> This is all getting a bit silly. Yes, now it's silly. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.